Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I'm excited about starting this new year, year 37. I'm excited about these 21 days of prayer for it. And I really felt led of the Lord in my heart to share just who we are. Why do we do what we do? I get questions all the time, things all the time about Tree of Life, what we believe, how we, why do we do services this way? And I really feel just to bring some clarity this morning as we look and study the Word will help all of us just, just connect and unite in a greater capacity. We'll rally around the vision, the purpose, and continue to move forward into our destiny. And so I just want to share some things from my heart today, really the course of the series for four weeks, different aspects of who we are as a church. A great time for you to come and bring people to hear about Tree of Life. Uh, bring visitors, guests. If you're a visitor and a guest, man, I'm glad that you're here today. I want to share some things uh, from the Word. First and foremost, I just want you to know that 36 years, number one, we celebrate God's faithfulness, and God is a faithful God. And you know what? God is the head of this church. Can I just say it that way? This is His church, amen? He's the head of the church. And Jesus is the creator. You know, we look in Matthew, we can take a look in Matthew right now, Jesus had a discussion with his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they had some different answers. And then Peter responded that you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so uh, Jesus looked at him and said, man, this revelation that you have of who I am, that's what we're going to build the church on, that, that he is Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah, the Savior. And it says that in, uh, there it says that in Matthew. And so we're talking about here in Matthew, establishing that it is his church. Verse 18 says, I will build my church. It's Jesus' church. It's not man's church. Can I tell you? Man may put its own twist and spin on it. We'll see some instruction in the scripture for church. But listen, this is his church, amen? And so he put it here for a reason and for a purpose. So he's the head of it. And then if we turn over to Colossians real quick, one, and guys, if you'll go to Colossians 1, and if you don't mind, you can jump down to verse 18 for me. Verse 18 It says that he is the head of the church. If we could just go to 18. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He he being Jesus, the previous scriptures described Jesus. And so he is the head of the church. I want to establish that today. That really, so therefore, my job as a senior pastor said in here is not to do what I want to do. It is to follow his orders and his instructions. Come on. He is the commander and we're under his orders. And I just want to establish that before we move farther today because I want to let you know that I see some things in the scripture that we're to be about. In Ephesians 5, 23, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Christ is the head of his church, he himself being the Savior of the body. So we just don't do what we want to do how we want to do it. It's not ours. It's His. So we look into the Word, and we listen to Him, and we do church the way that He's instructed. So He's the commander. And I see in the Scripture Jesus giving three church directives, three directives to us on how we're to operate. And I want you to see those today. I want you to know how we operate, why we do what we do, how we believe here as we move forward in this new season. And we see Jesus gave the church three directives, and I'm going to call them this, and I'm not a military guy, I've, I've heard this term, I've studied this out, but I'm going to call these the commander's intent. If you're out of the military, you know exactly what that means, commander's intent. And basically what that means is there was a time and a day where plans were meticulously put together, they took time, energy, countless hours and resources to put together a plan, but then once a plan engages the enemy, everything changes. Your plan's good until you encounter an enemy, and then the enemy doesn't follow your plan. And then you have things like weather changes, you have resources that you don't have any longer. And let me say this for all the teachers in the house, your lesson plan is great until you first, the first day you encounter teenagers. All right? It's like, come on, can I get an amen to te- teachers right there, kids? Like, that's okay. Yeah. Your, your sales plan is great until you encounter a customer, right? And that's just like, 
And so, you know, the, the military several years ago came up with this uh, term, commander's intent, where they basically gave the goal, here's what we're to be about, and then gave latitude to those serving underneath to be able to do as they encounter different things, things that, but they knew what the intent was. They knew what the commander wanted, they just had different ways of getting there. And so, we're going to look in the scripture at the commander's intent. Jesus gives us three directives for the church, and he gives us some latitude and leeway how to get there. I want to explain what that looks like here at Tree, but we still have to accomplish those three things. In fact, the three directives he gives, I believe he gives them in a particular order for a purpose. And we'll look at the order. And can I tell you God's a God of order? He doesn't do anything randomly. I mean, everything has a purpose and a plan to him. God is a God of order. And let me say it this way, it's best for our life if our life gets the order that God wants, right? If we follow his order, like putting him first, like giving him first, giving to him first, it's always better to follow God's order. He has it in a specific order for a purpose. And so I believe that these three directives that Jesus gave gave, uh, are set in a particular order, the commander's intent. They're three different directives given on three different occasions and given in a specific order. We find them, and they're referred to them as the Great Commission, and the Great Commission really is comprised of three directives. A lot of people think two, but if you really studied out, there's three things, three instructions given on three different occasions. occasions, three different locations, and given, I believe, in a specific order or priority. Uh, so the first one takes, pre- uh, takes uh, precedent, obviously, then if there's an order, the first one takes precedent over the second one, which takes precedent over the third one. Just want to establish that. And so they are to be pursued in an order for a reason, and if we pursue them out of order, now listen, if we pursue them out of order, we're less effective. This is the same in life. We get things out of order in our life, out of God's order, we we don't experience things in the fullness like he intends. In other words, we don't change the order, we keep them in the order the commander intended. I don't have the authority to change the order because I'm not the commander, right? Okay, so let's talk about the three commands or three directives. The first one was given really in a closed door meeting, uh, the night of the resurrection, the night of the resurrection. Jesus resurrected that morning. They discovered the empty tomb. He appeared uh, at four different times that particular day, first to Mary Magdalene, uh, second to Simon Peter, third to two disciples walking on along the road to Emmaus, and then finally here at night in Jerusalem to the disciples, all of them except Thomas, the word says. So take a look at Mark 16, 14. Here's what it says. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and it talks about he rebuked their unbelief, hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. People had already told him, but they didn't believe him, and so he's kind of scolding them a little on that. First time he has an encounter, and we know that because we can go over to John 20 and see the same account. You don't have to turn there, but in John 20, you'll find out that he had to say, peace be still, because they were scared because he just showed up. And he shows them the holes in his hand and his side. And so this is the initial encounter of the commander with his followers. And so here's what he says then in the next verse, in verse 15, he says, and he said to them, first things he's saying to his group right here, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. First instruction, he resurrects, he gives the first directive to the church, and that is to win souls, amen? That is to go preach the gospel and win souls, reach people. The first directive Jesus gave to the church. And Jesus is the one who sets the commander's intent. I don't have a right to change that. And as a follower of Jesus, I must be on mission under orders. So the directive number one is we preach the gospel to every creature. And now we could probably say that we know that, but what tells the story on if that's true, if we really believe it, are we really doing that? Are we following his orders or not? Well, if you say you're a soul winning church and no one's ever getting saved, you just might not be a soul winning church. 
right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. If you say you're a soul winner and there's no fruit of that, if you're saying you're a soul winning church and there's no fruit of that, then just maybe you're not a soul winning church. You're not following the first directive. The early church had a pattern of winning souls. In fact, take a look at Acts 2.47. The early church here in this passage says this, they were praising God and had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, say this next word, daily. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now listen to this. There was such a soul-winning culture in that church that people were not only being saved on Sundays, but every day of the week people were getting saved. Come on. That's people buying into this idea that directive number one for all of us is to be a soul winner. You don't have to wait till Sundays. We're glad to have it on Sundays. We're glad when you bring people, but our church culture and who we are because we're following the commander's intent, directive number one, is we are to be soul winners in a soul winning church. That's our first priority. There was a buy-in from all the people to do that, to follow through on the first directive Jesus gave daily. Now let me say this, you cannot be a soul winning church if you do not have a soul winning environment. I know there's going to be times it's going to be really quiet in here. I know that. I already had one service. I'm okay with that, all right? Listen, but listen to the truth of all this. You cannot be a soul-winning church if you do not create a soul-winning environment. And I know this because our tendency, minus two at times, is to be a church for the church because it's super comfortable. But can I tell you, then we're not following directive number one. And we need, as a soul-winning church, to create soul-winning environments. So that's what we endeavor to do here at Tree. Why do we do this, and why do we do that, and why do we not do this? And so we can create a soul-winning environment where lost and unsafe people can feel welcomed and comfortable. We don't have to compromise uh, and, you know, the word to do that. We don't have to compromise our belief system to do that. You understand that. We can just change the environment a little bit. And if you don't have unsafe people coming to your church and getting saved, then you don't have an unsafe person-friendly environment. And we may love the loss, we may want the loss, but if they're not coming around, we don't have a lost, unsafe people environment. Let me just give you a clue on how well we're doing this, and can I tell you, you're doing extremely well, Tree of Life. Thank you so much, but year to date that we've estimated, calculated, added up, that we've seen, uh, not counting first service, we saw several in that one, we've seen around 950 people come to Christ this year alone in our services. Amen? Praise the Lord! That's why we exist. Directive number one. Win souls. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. He said that. His number one priority is seek and save the lost. If we want a lost or unsafe people environment, then we have to have a couple things that we need to be aware of. Number one, the platform must always be aware of guests. What does that mean? That means myself or any other pastor or guest that stands up here, be aware of who's in our audience. Because we can have a tendency to say words and use words. Right? We say it this way. We can talk Christianese pretty good. You ever been around your friends that are just looking, how you doing today? You go up to your friend, how you doing today? And they go, they come up to you, how you doing? Hey man, how you doing? I'm, high, I'm highly ble- uh, blessed and favored and highly blessed or whatever. I'm like, what? Okay, that's weird, but okay, you know. <laughs> we can talk about things in here. We talk about words like atonement and redemption and the Levitical law and all this kind of stuff in here. And then that makes sense to people that aren't saved that don't know Jesus. And if it doesn't make sense to them, what good does it do? And so we don't talk either, like we have it all together. Can I tell you one thing I appreciate about the four guys that shared, I listen to their messages and stuff, and I try and do that myself. We're, we're not like better than anybody else. We're walking out the same word. We try and be vulnerable. We try to be real. We try to be transparent. Why? So people can know there's other people just like them trying to walk this thing out. <clears throat> because we want to reach people. 
We want to be a soul-winning church. So from the platform, we need to be aware of that, and we need to make sure that we're not saying things that don't make sense. We need to explain some of the expressions or phrases about some things that, that maybe they wouldn't understand, because if they don't understand it, then what good does it do them? And we don't say things that would scare or confuse people either. You know, we want to make sure that we're acknowledging the audience. But Pastor Don, you're not letting the Holy Spirit move. Not true. The Holy Spirit moves in every service. That's why we've seen 950 people give their heart to Jesus. That's the number one directive. But you're not allowing this and you're not allowing that. And I would say not true. The Holy Spirit's moving and we're sensitive to that. You saw him move today. You saw things happen today. I'll explain that in a minute. But listen, we need to understand the commander's intent. The first thing Jesus said was we're to preach the gospel to every creature. We are a soul winning church first before anything else. We want to make sure that you understand that. And I'm not, any other church, they have to make their decisions. I'm telling you, this is tree of life. This is what I believe. Can I say this also, if we have crazy wild stuff going on in your Sunday service, then not only are you going to confuse and scare people away, but people in here aren't going to invite people. Can I tell you how many times people come up to me and say, Pastor, now I've been working on this friend for six months and so they finally came. Do you know what, I, you know what they're telling me? I hope you're not preaching on the Holy Spirit or something like that. <laughs> I'm reading behind the lines, so don't get crazy. Let's not do a Jericho march or anything like that right now. I've been working for a year. Getting this person. I have people in there that, I, that they've been working on someone, and I'm getting up there and preaching, and I can just see them. I, I start talking about, because we believe in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And like, today, why today? I brought them today. <laughs> so the more comfortable you feel with an environment for soul winning, now we believe in that stuff. I'll, I'll share it in a minute. The more comfortable you feel, the more of a bringer you're going to be. Come on. You're a bringer. You're supposed to be a bringer. And so we create environments, a soul-winning environment, not only so that people will understand the love of God and the things of God and want Him, but you'll bring people, you'll bring your family and your friends. And so we'll kind of explain that a little bit more as we go on, but the commander's intent is that we be a soul-winning church. So we plan for, we pray for services that create face-to-face God environments. So people can see God for themselves. When we try and let people see our vulnerabilities, et cetera, that we're real and not religious. And we're going to be a church that leads people to Jesus Christ. And so can I tell you some of the things acknowledging that from the platform? So we changed the length of service. And we used to go, back in the day, we used to go two hours, right? My dad loved to preach the everlasting gospel, right? Can I tell you, I like it too. In fact, I'm just going to give you a heads up. We're going to go along today, a little bit today. We shoot for 75 minutes, but we had child dedication, some extra things. I really felt that was inspired of the Holy Spirit to come and talk about our unity and our diversity as being unity. Amen. That was a total moment of the Holy Spirit. And so, but we're going to do those things. We'll provide the time for those things, but we generally shoot for a 75-minute service. Why? Why? Just so we can accommodate people. Now, number one, we know the culture that we live in today. And can I tell you, God can accomplish everything in 75 minutes that He need, that we think He needs 90 to two, to two hours. I mean, He only needs a moment. He only needs a moment. Interestingly enough, when we changed the service time and we, we got it from 90 to 75, we cut out some of the preaching time, we cut out some of the worship time. I cannot tell you how many people are like, how come you shorten the worship time? Not anybody ever came and said, oh, why'd you shorten the preaching time? <laughs> in fact, they're probably like, could you cut some more preaching out and add some more worship back in? <laughs> no. But anyways, that <laughs> so we try and create those environments, those moments, because understand that that's the only time some people are going to darken the door of a church that don't know Jesus. And we want them to feel at home and welcome and comfortable, and we want them to understand in so, a face-to-face encounter so they can have their life changed. We're going to 
We're going to be a church that leads people to Jesus Christ, and so we've done things. We, we've put, uh, we've dressed down a little bit. I'm wearing a coat. I'm kind of getting away from it a little bit. Child dedication. So people don't feel uncomfortable because there's an expectation that maybe they don't fit in with a type of dress or something. Jesus doesn't mind. He wants you to have clothes on at least. I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> We're dressing down. We're not undressing. I'm just telling you that. But. So we create these environments and moments, and we, we change things like um, how we, we, we address sermon series and sermon titles. Can I tell you, I want to answer questions people are asking. Sometimes the church is just r- running through a bunch of stuff, and it's like not even meeting where people are at. And let me just give you an example, and we'll let you know what we did. And, and on Easter, if you were here Easter Sunday, we gave out a survey, and we asked you to put down there a topic that you would really want to learn more about. And so we had about 365, I think, people are so turn the survey card in, and then we went through and saw which got the most votes, and so next month, we're going to do a series maybe titled, You Asked For It, or something like that, and we're going to take, it's kind of a fun one, <laughs> you asked for it, and we're going to take the top four vote getters, and then we're going to look into the Word of God, and we're going to apply Scripture to them, and let me just tell you what they were. Here are the top four vote getters from our Easter service. Number one, number one requested series, something to do with stress. Come on. That's where people live. Hey, number two, dealing with difficult people, hence number one. I mean, come on, we just It's funny, there's a theme here. Number three, spiritual warfare. And number four, spiritual gifts. Can I tell you, that's what we want to do. We want to use the Word of God to answer the questions people are answering, because it is the answer. And so we're not on our own agenda. I think the Holy Spirit's smart enough to help us understand how we need to navigate these things and do that. So we want to make sure that we're ask, answering questions people are asking. And so the platform needs to be aware of guests, but can I tell you number two, regular attendees need to be aware of guests. Hospitality is a culture that we need to continue to create. And what I mean by hospitality is I'm not just talking about being friendly, I'm talking about being helpful. I think hospitality is friendly and helpful at the same time. And what I mean by that is you're a very friendly congregation. Thank you for that. But we need to make sure people are engaged. When people are passing by us, we're not only friendly and helpful, like the single mom coming to the door with three kids and a diaper bag and holding all the stuff. And it's nice for someone to open the door. Hey, let me get that. That's very friendly. Let me get that. The sanctuary is that way. Have a good service. But listen, we need to say, can I help you with that? I want to open up the door and help you with that. You look a little lost. Let me, let me help you. Let me take you over where the kids' ministry is. Come on. We, listen, guys. This is why we're, we're creating a family, not a church, because, listen, we're not looking for a place to go. We're looking for a place to belong. Amen? And so family helps people. We're not just friendly. We're helpful. We're helpful. And it helps people open up their heart to Jesus. We exist to reach people who do not know Christ. Amen? Directive number two Jesus gave was given on a mountain not far from the Sea of Galilee. Sometime between the, 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 the resurrection and the ascension, there's one of those words, the ascension, basically when Jesus then went back up into heaven. Directive number two is discipleship. We make disciples of all nations. We make disciples. Matthew 28, 16 says this. Matthew 28, 16. Then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had a had appointed them. They were there at one other time when he called them. He called them, and Mark, we see that he called them. He took them to a mountaintop. I believe it's the same mountaintop, and he called them. Now he's giving them instruction. In fact, let's go back to Matthew 28. We'll skip Mark. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority have been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make what? 
Disciples, go make disciples. Directive number one was the night of the resurrection. Back on the planet, he gathers with his disciples. First things he says is go preach the gospel to every creature. Next directive he's giving again is he gathers his disciples, his followers, and says go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples. Listen, discipleship is not something that just happens. It's intentional. Let me say it this way. People can come here for years, week in and week out on a regular basis, and still not grow and still not change. You can. Because it's easy to hide in a row. In a row you can hide. But you can't hide in a circle. In a circle you're face to face. And that's why discipleship is about learning how to do life the right way with other people. That's why we want to connect you to groups. We want to connect you relationally, because you're not going to grow if you're not connected to other people where you don't, that way you have things that are measurable. That way there's accountability to life, and that way you can know if you're growing or not. You can hide all day long in a row, but in a circle, you're a face-to-face, and you're open to everybody, but you've developed relationship, and then you can speak into lives and have someone speak into your life, because right here is a row. We come and go and may not even know the people next to us, but when you're sitting in a circle doing life together, you get to know them, and then you open up and do life together, and you can find out how you're doing in life, and you can find accountability, and you can find things that are measurable, and we're going to be emphasizing groups. You heard an announcement today. We're going to do that. In fact, one of my messages in the series, we're going to tackle groups, and I'm going to cast more vision for it and let you know about life groups and community groups and serve groups. Now, it takes time to get them up and going, but we're pressing hard to get you guys connected so you can grow in the things of God. It is absolutely necessary to connect with other people to grow. And so we need measurements, things that we can measure as we meet together, things that we can be accountable to. And so let me give you four things. We need to ask ourselves and these questions, and that will help us identify if we're growing or not. Number one, am I becoming more responsible to God and to my church? At the end of the year, have I grown? Have I still stayed the same? Have I grown any? You may be sitting around with a group of people that know you've been doing life together, and I'll be able to look at it and say, man, you've changed a lot. You've grown a lot. Sometimes we don't know if we don't engage with anybody else. And so we need to, we need to grow closer to the things of God. In fact, at the end of the year, I, I need to be able to stand there and say, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm a whole lot farther along than I was. Praise the Lord. But the sad thing is, so many people just come to church and leave, and come to church and leave, and come to church and leave, and they never really grow, and they never change. So we talked a few weeks ago about coming to church just to feel better, but not get well. And so we need to engage with people and find these things that will help us identify if we're growing or not and we're accountable to it. So are you connecting with God? If you're connecting with God in a greater capacity, you are going to grow. Are you connecting better to the church that God puts you in? Do you know people? Are you relating better? Are you helping? Are you participating? If you're not, you're losing ground spiritually. You're not gaining ground. You're not growing. Number two, am I becoming more responsible to my family? At the end of the year of being here consistently and engaging and doing life with other people, am I a better husband? Does it challenge me to be a better dad? Does it challenge me to be a better friend, a worker? Am I responsible in in my roles and responsibilities as a dad, a a spouse, a, a, a worker, a pastor? Number three, am I becoming more responsible with my resources? Because can I tell you, if you're drawing closer to God and you're following the Word of God, applying the Word of God to your finances, you will be blessed. And that speaks contrary, which is the struggle, and I'm not here to teach on the tide today, but I want to tell you God's way works, and if you plug into God's way, you will grow. Can I tell you, your way out of financial trouble and difficulty is following God's plan, and so you ought to be able to look back and say, I may not be where I want to be financially, but I'm a whole lot better than I was. 
And you ought to be able to look back and say, because I've been tithing and I've been generous, and God blesses that and God honors that. So am I being responsible? Am I giving the missions? Am I helping people find Jesus? Do I have a stewardship plan? Jesus taught a lot about handling resources and stewarding them. He taught a lot. The majority, the, the majority, well, he taught more than faith. He taught more than prayer. He taught more than some of those things. Uh, financially, he did. or taught about finances. Number four, am I becoming more responsible with my influence? Am I a better witness today than I was yesterday? Am I a better neighbor? Am I a bad witness to my neighbor? Or am I the neighbor no one likes? <laughs> That's a sad testimony. If you're the neighbor no one likes, don't put one of those tree life signs in your front yard, please. <laughs> please? Right? Am I, am I a light where I work? Or am I the negative one? I'm the one everybody wants to stay away. Am I the one that tells all the bad stories or talks like a sailor or whatever? You know, no offense, sailors. And, uh, you know, why does everybody say that? I don't know. Uh, am I a better witness? You know what? People in your group can tell you that. You might not be able to see it, but people in your group can tell you that. We got to grow. Number two, the direct number two is discipleship. We exist to facilitate life change in people who know Christ and people who already know Christ. And if, you're, uh, if you aren't having life change in you, then you aren't growing in Christ. So go make disciples of all nations. You can't do that without winning people to Christ first. You need a convert before you can have a disciple. Then you have the responsibility to make disciples. Directive number three was given on the 40th day after the resurrection. It was this last day. It was on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Jesus... Um, is his last day before he ascends back up into heaven, and Luke writes this, and he doesn't write it in the Gospel Luke, he writes this as he's the author, a part of Acts. He writes this in Acts 1, the third directive, Acts 1-8, in fact, you can take a look, here's what it says. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We believe in the person and power of the Holy Spirit here at Tree of Life Church. We always have for 36 years. It has not changed. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So directive number three, we rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit. We rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you, that's directive number three, so let me explain this. Real quick, thank you for giving me extra time this morning because the other things that we had. In the late 70s, early 80s, there was this huge growth of the church. And it was in, there was what we might equate to an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But listen, when the church established, Tree of Life Church came here in 1981, and it brought with us a different expression than was normally seen around here. It had the, the teaching of the Holy Spirit. There was more to life and denominational churches were getting people saved, and people knew how to, in denominational churches, people were saved, they knew how to give, they knew how to serve, but they weren't getting taught about the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when churches were starting to be established and start teaching that, people started leaving denominational churches by the masses. But these were people that were already saved. They just didn't know about the working and power of the Holy Spirit, and so they were getting filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so understand something, it wasn't that the Holy Spirit was necessarily having this revival of unsaved people, it was people that were already saved coming to churches that taught the Holy Spirit, then, and they were getting more of a biblical look to them, or finishing if you will, to them coming to the, to the Spirit-filled churches. And we saw this huge thing happen, Tree of Life started back in that day. And we believe that. And that went on and on and on for time. But can I tell you, when directive number three takes the place of directive number one, then you lose your effectiveness of reaching souls. 
Because if you're so focused on directive number three and you hear things like, well, we're just going to come and flow in the Holy Ghost, flow in the Holy Ghost. Well, then what about directive number one? Because you have lost and unsaved people that are confused and are going to leave this place and get scared. When directive number one is you win souls first. In fact, when we look at Acts 1-8, directive number three is to help support Directive number one, right? You shall receive power to be my witnesses. The problem is a lot of people get directive number three as directive number one, and they just want to come and flow in the Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost activity is happening all the time that we're here. He's happening all the time. What about prophecy? Can I tell you, prophecy is saying what God said. I believe every time I step in the pulpit, I've spent time in prayer listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm bre- I believe I'm bringing the word of the Lord to you. Every time we have a worship set, amen, thank you. Every time we have a worship set, Pastor Cody doesn't just pick his favorite songs or songs we haven't sung in a while, and not just, he doesn't take, you know, it's not like requests. Can I request this? Let's just, it's, like, it's like he prays, and, and when, so when, we, when he comes and brings a worship set to us, it's things the Holy Spirit have impressed upon his heart. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows who's going to be in that service to hear and receive that. So we think that the Holy Spirit only works like in the spur of the moment. Like God's a last minute God. Like all of a sudden, oh, God got an idea right now. Can I tell you God doesn't get ideas? How do you get ideas when you know everything that happened from the beginning? Well, I didn't know they were going to be there. Let's go ahead and change this. No, God knows everything. And I'm not trying to make fun of that, but the reality is we, we equate some kind of last minute move or redirection of service as to the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is a planner. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll plan your life better. The Holy Spirit's a planner. There might be times we miss something and He needs to redirect us because we weren't sensitive to His leading and guiding when the planning process was in order. So I just want to encourage you guys, and you can agree or not agree, I'm telling you how we operate here as a church, okay? The three directives. Directive number one, win souls. Directive number two, make disciples. Directive number three, do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen and be sensitive. We believe in healing. We lay hands on the sick, expect them to be cover, uh, healed, uh, recover. We, we believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have been speaking tongues. I do it every day of my life. I love it. Everybody needs to experience that. We believe in moves and outpourings of the Holy Spirit. We've seen it, experienced, we love it, but it's directive number three. And when you get those out of order, you miss that directive number one. The most important thing is people knowing Jesus and having an eternity in heaven. It is. Now, the other things help us, especially the work of the Holy Spirit. He helps us. He helps us do that. He equips us. He leads us. He directs us. But it's all in support of number one. And sometimes we get those things out of order. Now, again, I, I totally get it. Some people want directive number two to be number one. That means we want these deep teaching. We want these things all the time, you know, that, that then we're talking over the head or we're using language that people that are, don't even know Jesus don't understand. I want to be, I, some people want to be a church for the church. That's not what we're called to be. We're called to be a soul-winning church. But we're also supposed to help people with life change through discipleship, but it happens a lot through groups and through serving, and we have a a resource right now, media, that that we can make available to you as you grow and study. But listen, let's understand the commander's intent, the order in which he set those in, I believe, as we operate here at Tree of Life Church. The Holy Spirit draws people to Christ, not pushes them away. He draws people to Christ. He doesn't push them away. And people don't leave, that way people don't leave the church confused, but content. And we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is amazing, but we also believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit, where people feel Jesus and come face to face with God. We're a church that believes in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit so we can accomplish our mission. We rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit to accomplish our mission. We don't discount Him, we don't discard Him, we don't ignore Him. But we understand the commander's intent with the three directives. 
that our, our job is to win people for, to Christ, number one, job number one. Job number two, disciple them, help them in life change. And job number three, teach people about the role of the Holy Spirit in their lives. There is an order to this. So let me just review quickly, just sharing my heart as we get ready in this new season. I want to let you know what, how we are, why we do what we do here at Tree of Life. Number one, we exist to reach people who do not know Christ. We are a soul-winning church. Number two, we exist to facilitate life change in people who know Christ. We want you to grow and become and experience all that God has for you. Number three, we can't do it, we have to do it with the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit to accomplish our mission. And once you understand the commander's intent, there is a whole lot of latitude, a whole lot of things we can do. But there can be no mistake, these things in this order are what God has called us to do, I believe, here for Tree of Life Church. My heart today for this series is just to help you understand who we are so you can see what you are about and so how you can connect and how you can help us fulfill our mission and be a part of what God's wanting us to do. If he's called you here at a Tree of Life Church, then you need to know what our operating orders are. You need to know the, the commander's intent that we follow and how we do that. And I just wanted you to hear that today. I just know this, God is a good and faithful God, and for 36 years He's been that way and He'll be that way on, but we have a responsibility to line our, li our lives and our church up and line with His instruction and His directives. It is His church. He is a good and faithful God. Amen? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.